They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello there, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd, and joining me this evening I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And well, we were hoping to bring you uh, bring you news and analysis of Somerset's barnstorming start to the Royal London Cup campaign, but the uh, the car hasn't left the garage and the wheels have already fallen off. Um <laughs> Started off with a ten-wicket defeat to Nottinghamshire in the blink of an eye, and then up the road to the uh, to the unique seat stadium on Sunday, where Somerset again did not manage to bat the fifty overs and lost by uh, five wickets to that lot from up the road. Steve, is it as bad as uh, bad as it appears, or are there any green shoots there that uh, that signals something better hard, coming over the horizon? F- hard to find any green shoots, isn't it? Um... There was me this time last week saying how optimistic I was and you sort of feel in the depths of despair really at the moment because I think Anthony summed it up perfectly yesterday. We need to make runs to give the relatively inexperienced Siddle and Brooks a part bowling attack. <laughs> yeah, add Waller to that to bowl list that. as well. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not that experienced in this format, is it? And it oh, is a, true, it is a different format. Whiteboard. Oh, it's just whiteboard you said about the wheels coming yeah, off. Yes. I don't don't know if you can actually have wheels come off more spectacularly than they did on Thursday. It's you can take losing, can't you? You can take being outplayed, but when you're absolutely comprehensively demolished like that, is really hard to take. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty bad. I didn't manage to make it after the months of publicity. I didn't manage to make it up to Bristol on Sunday because I woke up Sunday morning. I had a terrible stomach bug. I just had no energy at all. It's just one of those viruses or whatever that whacks you. But yeah, I'm quite uh, in a way. I'm quite glad that I didn't uh, didn't manage to make it up to uh, to Bristol on Sunday. Dan, uh, you did. Uh, you're not you're not game as well, weren't you? I was at both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any any green shoots? <laughs> is it is it that bad? What what do we need to yeah, do? We were thoroughly outplayed in both games. I mean, the Knotts loss was probably the worst Somerset white ball loss I've ever seen. Um, I genuinely can't think of any that were worse than that. Um, I mean, obviously, the only slight positive in that game was James Rue's batting. Goldsworthy's batting was obviously a positive um, yesterday. Um, but, I mean, I, we can't fall in the trap of praising attacking shots when they come off and criticising them when they don't. Mm-hmm. There were some poor decisions by the batters in both games, I think. Particularly with a relatively weak tail. I mean, obviously Aldridge could bat at number eight, but beyond that there isn't too much. Um, you know, Aldridge himself played a pretty poor shot in the Knotts game, you know, running down the wicket and getting stumped. Uh, ben Green, I thought yesterday, should have taken a bit more responsibility. We had half the innings still to go. Um, just the, just the, you know, eight, eight and below to come in after him. Um, and he tries to play an aerial shot, which, you know, you, you, at that point, we should have been looking to just consolidate for another 10 overs at least. Because um, at Bristol, you don't need a huge score to win. You know, we, you know we, if we got another 50 yesterday, we, you never know. Um, so, yeah, I think there were some poor decisions that were made. Uh, at least we bowled quite well yesterday, I think. Um, you, know, we, we, you know, when Gloucester was 69 before, we had a serious chance. Um, you know, we were ahead of DLS. For, for periods of that match, um, 
but yeah, must improve. And unfortunately, some of the things that went right for us last year are not going right for us so far this year. Um, we've got to get a win on the board uh, on Wednesday because otherwise we're pretty much out. I mean, you, you need to win five or six, I think, to get through in this tournament. Um, so it's five or six of out of six. You know, that's a tough ask. So, yeah, the top two teams in each group go through to the semis automatically and then seconds and third play off, don't they? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. The, two, the, the two group winners go through to the uh, semi-finals and there, there they will play the... Um, sorry, to the final. No, the semi-finals, yeah. And there they will play the winners of two versus three and three versus two in, who, in, in the quarterfinals. So top three. So it's, it's, not, uh, it's not gone yet. But I'm not. Can't say I'm very optimistic. No, um, it's, I mean, yeah, I, I, do, I do try to be. James Rue was saving grace on Thursday with his with his 48. But he, of course, is going to be with the England Lions uh, this week. We weren't far away yesterday from getting a defendable score. I had a chat with Craig Overton afterwards, um, and he said, you know, another 40 runs, and and we would have been in business. But, you know, you can take wickets early on, on on that pitch with a reasonably hard white ball. There's still got a bit, bit of seam. But once the hardness goes out of the two, two white balls and it's down to the spinners, I'm afraid our spin bowlers were completely outpolled by the Gloucestershire ones. Um, I, put the, I put the figures on um, on Twitter last night. I think they took seven for 97 in 30 overs. And we took something like one for 68 in... About ten overs. Nine overs it was, yeah. Goldsworthy three overs, one for eighteen. Renshaw three overs, none for thirty-seven, and Waller three overs, none for thirteen. You know, and I mean, neither Goldsworthy nor nor Waller really spin it. Mm -hmm. And Renshaw is definitely, definitely a part-time off spinner, as Jack Taylor showed in the last over when he smashed him for three contemptuous sixes. You know. It's very hard to see, you know, with with that with that bowling attack, and, and missing James Rue from the batting lineup, and it isn't as if there's much in reserve either. I mean, I've, I have never Dan will be able to tell me more about Alfie Ogbourne and um, Jack Harding, um, but I've never uh, and, and Andrew Umid is not, as I understand it, a white ball player. He's a sort of stodgy red ball opening batsman. So, you know, it isn't that we got much in reserve. The saving grace for Wednesday is that Durham are doing just as badly as we are. Yeah. Because they've, the, they've been beaten twice by nine wickets. Yeah. <laughs> One of those teams is going to leave the Cooper Associates country ground on Wednesday with at least a point. So, you know, <laughs> that there is that uh, saving grace. One of them, hopefully it's us, will be off the bottom of the table. Um, saw a bit of Ugborn, Harding and Umi down at uh, down at Bobby Tracy last Tuesday when they, they played Devon. Um um, both left arm over. Harding's got a bit of pace, um, a little bit wayward. Ugborn uh, seems to be not quite as quick. He does have a little bit more control. And um, yeah, as you say, Andy Umid is not a white ball player by any stretch of the imagination for what I saw of him on uh, on Tuesday. But I think that's a good thing. <laughs> don't let him near the white. Don't let him near the white ball ciphers because Evans above. We uh, we need some solidity at the top of the order in in the red ball team. Um, so yeah, so save him for that. But Having said that, is that solidity something we need in the in the batting order? And is is he somebody that could potentially be brought in for uh, for Wednesday? We've also got the two Thomases, George and Josh. I like the look of Josh in the, in the Cornwall game. He 
he got some runs at the top of the order and he you know he looks to really give it a rip bowling his uh, his uh, slow left arm so i think i yeah. think I'd, i think i'd get him in uh, in place of james rue probably mm -hmm. uh, i think he from what i've heard he's he's the most promising uh, of them i think Oral Hildreth deserves another chance. Uh, Steve Davis has got to play because um, there's no other other wicketkeeper. Um, Renshaw, obviously, if he comes off, and he, and he batted reasonably. He had a, a fair bit of luck at Bristol yesterday. I mean, he was he was the <laughs> subject to two vociferous <laughs> behind appeals <laughs> before the the one that he was finally given out on, and and he got the send off from the Gloucestershire fielders as well, who weren't weren't best pleased, but. You know, he, he, he'll take that in his stride. And wouldn't surprise me if he if he comes good. I thought his wicket at the game against Nottinghamshire just sort of set the tone for the whole thing. You know, he smashed one ball over long off for six. Two balls later, goes to repeat repeat the shot without due care and attention, gets a thick edge, is out. And it was almost as if all of the air came out of the Somerset balloon uh, at that moment. Well, Renshaw's uh, innings on Sunday was a strange one because... You know, for your overseas pro, your Australian international player, he didn't seem to get a read of the pitch very well. I think you said it on commentary, Anthony. He was batting like it was a, a 400 par pitch. Uh, you know, he was playing and missing a hell of a lot. There was a lot that he wasn't timing at all. And it just seemed to me like someone with a bit more nous about them. And you talk about his confidence and his enthusiasm, but maybe just need to settle down and, and work out pretty quickly that, OK, this is a 250, 260 pitch. And I need to be here at the end rather than flashing at everything, as you say, surviving those two very confident appeals for caught behind. And then eventually, I didn't, he was you know, caught behind in the end again, wasn't he? Well, seriously, yeah. Caught Bracey Bold Warner for 38 from 45. Yeah. Anything else but to he's... talk about? On Renshaw, he bats at three or four for Queensland in one-day cricket. So I just wonder whether we might see Umi's come in for Rue on Wednesday um, and Umi will open with maybe Renshaw goes down to four, he'll just down to five. That might be something they'll do because it might make Renshaw a bit more comfortable and gives us a bit more solidity at the top. But we've got to be careful. We don't want to go too far the other way. If it's a 350-par pitch, as it can be at Taunton, you know, we don't want to crawl to 270. Um and, but yeah, I think Josh Thomas is definitely an option. George Thomas, I mean, I would pick him, I think, or I have him around. He's, he's, injured. he's injured, yeah, that's what he's I saw. Injured, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But Josh Thomas wasn't in the squad for the second National County match, was he? So, and he's not been in any squads yet, so I'm not sure. Maybe he's not available at the moment for whatever reason. I'm not sure. He seems to have disappeared. Yeah, I think Brooks and Siddle and Renshaw had the Cornwall match off and then they, they came back in for the... Uh, uh, for the Devon match, even though, though Brooks and Siddle didn't play, they was they were still in the squad, and they gave um, uh, they gave Ogborn and Harding a go. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if Siddle plays on Wednesday. He was he was he was looking knackered, frankly, and he was feeling his side like he did on on finals day. And I think they'll give him the game off, um, which presumably means that young Harding might might get a game. Which would be, you know, good, good to see him. But I think they've got to throw everything they've got at the game on Wednesday, because if we lose that, a we're losing to the side that's just just above us in the table, and Durham really aren't very good. And b it'll just about put us out of the competition if we don't win. So you know, that's, go go for broke on on Wednesday, pick an attacking attacking side, 
and um, I still think we're better off setting targets than chasing them. But my confidence in saying that has been quite severely shaken. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you fail to back your 50 overs two games in a row, you, you kind of have to work out, yeah, you know, said about Renshaw not really getting that pitch straight away and trying to belt 400 when 250, 260 would have probably been par and, and got them in the game. Yeah, just frustrating yesterday because when they were about sort of was 100 for 400 for five, something like that, you kind of felt right. If we go bang bang here, we're right back in yeah. the game. We, we just Harris we just was the wicket did. we needed yeah. at that point, wouldn't it? If we'd have got Harris, then well, they, we never they didn't like have a very no, no. They were just knocking it around, and yeah. you know, we've got the sort of attack that will take wickets when the when the opposition are under pressure and looking to sort of score quickly. But if they're in, I mean, if they're chasing something in the in the mid two hundreds and they can afford just to knock it around, there is really very little threat from our bowling attack with a other than with a new ball uh, and unless the, the pitch is doing is doing masses but you know we find it we're going to find it very hard to take wickets from over 20 onwards on a good pitch yeah can't disagree with that oh, it's only been 12 minutes we've been talking about this feels like about <laughs> four hours it's just uh well, I, suppose, I suppose the thing that is a disappointment is that you expected in my head last week it was Renshaw Davis Hildreth there's your experience you've got a lot of promise in Rue George Bartlett let's hope he can come good and you sort of in your head thought we can make enough runs I don't you know James Hildreth what's he lasted three balls in two innings so you can't even say if he's out of form because he hasn't mm. been there long enough to know oh it was a funny shot um, he got out to yesterday wasn't it it was just kind of yeah. a, a lazy push with an angled bat and he just missed a straight one it... yeah well we've seen a few of those recently haven't yeah. we he, he had that habit in the championship last year of doing that either after getting a milestone or just before just after a break so you know maybe the guy has just got to the point where he's going through the motions to the end of the season it must be really hard you know we thought the same about Trez when you've played to that level and you're not there anymore um, and to me he's got I've said this all along he's got to be allowed this sort of farewell tour hopefully he'll get one or two you know wouldn't it be lovely to see him get 100 at Taunton before the end of this competition for both reasons for him personally Um and you just feel that it is very much a, a valedictory tool for the pair of them. But that that can't help the dynamic in the dressing room, really. It just can't, you know. Right. Who's got a helicopter going somewhere? What was that? Yeah. Bit of interference somewhere. So Gremlins in it, Gremlins in our audio as well as Gremlins the batting line. Yeah. Um, so what are we doing for uh, Durham. Then I'm just getting my. Well, if Siddle's out, you'd you'd wonder if Sonny Baker would be the automatic to come back in, unless he's injured. Yeah, that, that's true. No, I think they're rotating. He's not injured. Um, but Ben told me yesterday that he wouldn't have played yesterday under any circumstances because they're right. easing him back in. Hmm. So right. I think it's possible he might, he he could play on Wednesday. Yeah, I think he'll. One of the next uh, three games. He had a torrid time against Knotts, didn't he? What did he go for one for thirty-eight in one point five overs, something like that? Do you ever find out that question, the answer to that question, uh, Dan, about whether it was that no ball should have been counted or not? <laughs> no, well, no, I've I've not had anything. I mean, uh, I've checked. I'll just check and be play now just to see if 
the score has changed. Um, it hadn't last time I checked. If you didn't see, um, yes, uh, very listening. weird. What happened was, uh, I think Knotts needed two to win. Sonny Baker bowled a no ball that was hit for four, and Dan thinks only the two for the no ball should have counted, and not the four. But they had not Not that it yeah. matters. Well, it might, it might matter if it comes down to a sliver, net run rate. A sliver of net <laughs> run rate. But exactly, exactly. That's why I've mentioned it. Um, and yeah, there's an example from 2010 where Suraj Randib of Sri Lanka bowled a no ball when India needed one to win. And that no ball was hit for six, but only the no ball counted. And it was oh. controversial because he bowled it on purpose to stop Verenda Say by getting a century. So this is basically the same situation. So I'm not really sure why the four counted. I mean, maybe the rules changed, but I've not seen anything about the rule changing since 2010. Um, but yeah, as you say, it probably won't matter. But, you know, I like things to be correct. So <laughs> I, had a, I had a good look at the laws of cricket. As soon as somebody puts something like that on Twitter, I'm like, oh, God, it doesn't matter how busy I'm at work. I have to dig out the laws <laughs> of cricket and my copy of Tom Smith. And it doesn't explicitly state it anywhere. So if, if Polly, if you are listening, uh, uh, do get in touch and, and, and let us know what the correct interpretation of that should be. Um, I did I did find two um, Somerset defeats that were worse than the Nottinghamshire one. Back in 1977, with all of the big guns in the side, we were bowled out for 68 by Essex at Chelmsford. Essex. <laughs> and then Don Topley with an eight for was it? <laughs> I, can't, I, didn't, I can't remember. Um, and no, it was John Lever. Um, oh, yeah. Most of the damage. And then in the year 2000, we were again bowled out for 58 by Middlesex at uh, Southgate with uh, Jamie Cox and various other notables in in the side and um so and that those two are worse than being bowled out for um 119 there you go the third worst <laughs> yeah. defeat ever that's not too bad we'll settle for that <laughs> only the third worst ever defeat guys heads up we go again uh so for wednesday then i'm going with this is my side. I go Renshaw, Umid, Goldsworthy, Hildreth, Bartlett, Davis slotting in at six. Then Green, Aldridge, Baker coming in for Siddle, if what we think is right, uh, Waller and Brooks. Any advance on that? We've lost Dan again. Dan's Wi-Fi is being done. I'm, I'm sticking with Davis and Renshaw to open. Me too. For two reasons. One... I, I hear what Dan says and respect what Dan says about playing in the Milk Cup or whatever it is now, that comp the 50-over competition in Oz. But there's a little bit of a difference in just the standard of the bowling, and I want him at the top of the order. But secondly, I would, if I was the coach, I'd be sitting him, Davis and Hildreth, Dan said, guys, you've got the few, these games remaining, you've got to make a contribution. Um, well, Davis has still got George another year in his contract, really yeah, George Bartlett really worries me. Really worries me. You know, but I think it's difficult, isn't it? Anthony's right. We want to win this game to at least keep some hope alive. But if we lose it, George Bartlett hasn't made runs. There's argument for giving the Josh Thomases and that of the, mm. the world a run, and that that's hugely disappointing to me because I still believe he's got so much natural talent and class. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Um, I agree. I feel sorry for Ben Green. I feel really sorry for Ben Green. Yeah, he's. I don't know. I, I, I think I'd, um, I'd go Renshaw, Davis, Goldsworthy, Hildreth, Bartlett, Josh Thomas, and then have mm -hmm. Sonny Baker, Sonny Baker in for uh, Peter Siddle, 
uh, if assuming that Peter Siddle needs a rest, which it looked very much yesterday as if he does. You said Bolton was unlucky on uh, Sunday game, but that was a run out with him and Goldsworthy, wasn't it? Now, yeah. I listened to your interview that you did with him um, after the match where he said, oh, what happened was the bowler said no as the he two of them were running and that caused a confusion. Now, under the laws of cricket, isn't that a five-run penalty uh, for the batting side? Because it's it comes under intentional distraction or something like that. I'm not sure the exact law. I don't think, I don't think it was intentional. I think he, the bowl, but the bowler was saying no, no runners. To, you know, in other words, stop it and don't don't let them get the run. Oh, Lewis, I, I, Lewis, Gibber, I've been playing cricket for 25 years, Stephen. You have. I've uh, never, ever, ever heard a well, bowler Lewis, say no run. Lewis, Lewis to, to encourage to get the field instead, instead of to get the ball. Yes, it was done deliberately to to put the batsman off. And and if it had been, the umpires would have intervened. All well, sounds very convenient to me. I'm not suggesting this is a conspiracy theory, but I very much am suggesting this is a conspiracy theory. It, it's one of those things that it could happen in the it could happen in the heat of the moment. But if it does, you know, you would hope under the spirit of cricket that the the appeal would be withdrawn or the batsman would be called back, wouldn't you? Well, it, well, if they had, they had every chance to 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 make amends for it you know it was it was just a, a real horrendous mix-up and you know well. Dan's but i don't see. think it was i don't think it was done um deliberately by the uh, gloucestershire builder who was i can't remember who it was now but um we're just talking about the uh, bartlett run out dan and uh on the post-match interview that um that lewis did with gibbo yesterday so that oh what happened was what happened was that's what old Cornishmen say what happened was uh, <laughs> me and George was running and then the bowler shouted no so we got confused <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you heard that shout or what you, what you made of it but um, I think under the laws of cricket if it's deliberate then it's uh, five run distraction penalty. yeah sorry my Wi-Fi went for a second and so i didn't quite hear what you said and unfortunately i had to, I had to rejoin on my tablet because the audio was playing off my laptop um what so you're saying a gloucestershire fielder distracted them or something the bowler yeah it like, said no no, no run, run or something like that. Yeah. oh yeah. i mean i've been playing right. cricket for i god knows how many years i've never ever heard a bowler say that to a fielder in order to inspire them uh, to prevent the single so I just wondered well, if it was another conspiracy theory, but uh, Paul, yeah. Paul, Nixon, Paul Nixon always used to say, "Get it, get it." Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That's what you say. You say something like that, don't you? When it's when it's a tight single, you you would normally say something like um, "bowler's end" or "keeper's end," you know, because you'll have a little little glimpse of um, which batter's less likely to make the ground, and that's what that, you say. It's normally what you say: bowlers or keepers, or you just leave them to it to not not distract them but yeah something very sus about that but then again that's my inner conspiracy theorist theorist coming to the fore um uh, we've done our teams for for wednesday dan have you got got your 11 sorted out um no uh, <laughs> i yeah <laughs> it's only about our 70th Fair episode enough. dan you know what we do every week come on yeah this is because i don't know we'll have to go all mickey arthur on you for not doing your homework but come on <laughs> It's because I don't know who to pick. I mean, goals are these in. Um, the rest of them, I don't know, really. 
Um, I think, yeah, I think it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I'll be happy with Josh Thomas coming in, to be honest. I think he can open county. He opened in the national county match. Yep. So, against Cornwall, yeah. He can open, and Renshaw can go to four, Hilliard to five, Bartlett to six, um, Green to seven. I mean, because on paper, it's not a bad batting lineup. They're just not firing for whatever reason. Um, bowling wise, um, yeah, I mean, still I'd pick a fit, but if not, then, I mean, Sonny Baker can come back in. I mean, he obviously bowled. You know, he obviously got smashed against Knotts, but you know that's you know you've got to give him a more of a chance than that. He only bowled a couple of overs, so um, Baker can come in, um, Siddle then, and obviously Max, you know, didn't look much of a threat yesterday, unfortunately. Um, bowling wise, I suppose it's it's Sale, Ogborn, or Harding to come in, isn't it? I mean, I don't know enough about Ogborn and Harding. Um, Is Sale Sale fit again? Uh, Mike Unwin messaged me last week saying that he saw him. Uh, around the ground last Tuesday and he said that um, he was injured and being the professional yeah. that I am I know exactly what he said to him so just do bear with and I'll pull that up I think Harding mm. from what I know and a bicep slash, Harding a might bicep, be the more likely bicep slash shoulder injury from batting mm. so there we are and he also said that Josh Davey was sprinting across the pitch so it may be that he has a, uh, a phoenix from the flames come back and is available on on Wednesday or, or I think, Friday. I or think Sunday. we want to make our priority's got to be making sure Josh Davy is a hundred percent at the end of August. Yeah, and that's my that's yeah. my that's my focus, and I'm not giving up on this competition yet because I'm the eternal optimist with everything Somerset cricket. But you've got to you've got to be prudent. If we brought Josh Davy back and then he got a season-ending recurrence or something, that would be. Searching on negligent, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. So, yeah. Uh, so, we got Durham on Wednesday. Then we're up at um, up at Grace Road Leicester. on Friday for, for Leicester. And then Family Fun Day uh, at the Cooper Associates County Ground for Middlesex on Sunday. Um, do you all see them adverts that we they put up in Cardiff? That was a good spot, that yeah. was. All eyes mm. on all eyes on Taunton. <laughs> I'm not sure if that uh, that quote should be amended to blink and you'll miss it after the knots came. But uh, yeah, some good uh, good guerrilla marketing from the club there. I think the uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I think the the aim was maybe to uh, to carry a bit of favour with the members and the kind of the anti hundred message rather than hoping mm. that you're going to see coach loads of people from the valleys crossing the Severn Bridge to come and watch the Royal London Cup at Taunton but uh, yeah definitely uh, definitely good to see that um, match starting tomorrow down at Canterbury is England Lions against South Africa we've got Craig Overton and James Rue uh, in the squad for that one uh, the full squad is uh, is Billingsbrook Sam Cook uh, Sam Connors from Derbyshire Duckett Will Jackson Surrey uh, Keaton Jennings, Dan Lawrence, Craig Overton, Liam Patson White, James Rue, Ollie Robinson, and Dom Sibley. Craig Overton's an odd selection for that Lions match mm. because you would think if England don't know enough about Craig Overton, who's was it twenty seventeen he made his debut, so he's been been in and around the Test side for nearly five years. They're not going to find, <coughs> excuse me, anything out about him playing in this Lions match so it's either well we couldn't think of anybody else to pick or he's definitely playing 
against South Africa next week, we want him to get some overs in his legs. Mm. Well, I don't think he's definitely playing, but I think it's probably to get overs in his legs, yeah. So do I. Mm. So do I. He's, when I spoke to him yesterday, he was, he was looking forward to it. There was no sort of sour grapes at, at playing for the England Lions. So was he resigned to not playing in the first test in a couple of weeks' time? Or, I don't know, how well, do you kind of gauge... I, gauge what I, didn't, I suspect, if knowing the personality, it's give me a chance to get a back hat full of wickets against them and force my way in. Correct. That, would be, that would be, I hope, his attitude. I'm pretty certain that's his attitude. I wondered whether it was a case of trying to sort of leaven the bread with a couple of more experienced players at that level as well. You know, because in that side, you you sort of think that Craig Overton's going to be one of the leaders. Um, I think as well, they, they've sort of tried to spread it around the counties, haven't they? Mm. To be fair, you know, taking players out of the, the one-day cup side. So, um, and then probably, uh, probably the reverse of when we pick a team and we have 14, they picked a team and had nine and thought, oh, hell, who have we got hanging around Craig Overton must have a very large minibus at the moment, mustn't he? Because he'll have his kit, that green monstrosity for you know who shall not be named in mm. Southampton. He'll have his England well, it's kit. Not quite Southampton, it's about night. ten miles outside of Southampton, but I take your okay, point. <laughs> yeah, well, Cardiff's Taunton and Bristol, so you know it's yeah. the same Brits. Um, you, you do wonder. You know, I always think that when. In my day, you just used to have one set of kit, and that was it. He must have about six bags in the back of his car with kit. You know, make sure you get the right stuff out at Canterbury. The other thing that worries me, though, is that Canterbury's not the sort of pitch I want Craig Overton flogging his guts out on at this time of the season. Um, and, um, and Dan will probably tell me, but my supposition is the average score there this season in Championship cricket's been quite high. I don't know, but yeah, I think it has been high. Kent has, Kent has conceded, I think, quite a lot of runs. Mm. Good opportunity for James Rue again, though. He's clearly more than just in to make up the numbers. And, you know, he's he's progressing and he's made, making a good impression. And it's, it's that old thing, isn't it? You know, we're delighted for the players, but we want them playing for Somerset. And you'll never... I'll, I'll never resolve that dilemma, you know. <laughs> We, my dad used to moan in the late 60s and early 70s, you know, that Roy Virgin never got picked for England and what would Brian Rose have to do to get picked for England? And then the minute he got picked, he was like, England taking our best players away from us. And that's always the, the thing. But, you know, James, we don't make 100 against the South Africans, please. That would cheer me up this way. I don't mind them taking our best players as long as they give our best players a game. Yeah, yeah. You know, it may be that they're just taking James Rue along for the experience. I profoundly hope not. Well, is it is this a first-class game, or are they going to play one of those 13 versus 13 monstrosities that they normally do at the start of... Start I imagine of South Africa will play 13 or 14. Yeah, I'd hope Rue will get a bat. He might not be in the starting like the starting 11, but he... Yeah, I would have thought he'll get a bat, I hope. Yeah, I think Billings is captain, and he's probably... He'd probably be keeping wicket, I would have thought. Yeah. It, that's not to say that Rue might get a session or two with the gloves, but mm. yeah, I would Might expect. keep wicket in the mm. first innings, Rue might keep wicket in the second innings, you mm. don't know. Yeah, but it, he's the ideal sort of player that the Lions should be taking a look at as well, isn't it? Because 
you know, there's what seven players in that squad who've already played Test cricket: uh, Sibley, Robinson, Overton, Lawrence, Jennings, uh, Duckett, and Billings. Duckett hasn't played for a few years. He had a horrendous technique against the the spinners when he played out in Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. Uh, Keaton Jennings, obviously, off the back of a triple hundred this week. Dan Lawrence just sort of lost his place. Really, kind of lost his way in that international. International setup. Odd he got an injury, didn't he, at the start of the season, which has thrown him out as well. Not surprised I just had a laugh. Like I had a laugh because I, I felt sorry for anyone who's going to that game. And that, if Jennings and Sibley back for a session, I think <laughs> I might well be suicidal by lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, I can remember going to Edgbaston a couple of years ago and Sibley opened the batting with Rob Yates. And simply got out in about the second over, and I celebrated rather vociferously, not just because it was a wicket, but because I just couldn't spare the thought of a, a nice Sunday at Edgbaston having to watch watch Sibley bat all day. So, if you look at the scorecard, in England are seventy six for no wicket at lunchtime, and just oh, look away now. I think well, he, d- he didn't seem as ugly as he used to um, down at the county ground this year. <laughs> He looked a little bit more. That's refined, a slight a the hunchback more, of Notre Dame sort of looking a bit better though, isn't it? Well, the hunchback of Notre Dame has maybe put some lipstick on and brushed his hair. But but, uh, but again, the the best opener in the championship has been excluded. You know, I didn't get him in last week. Where's Jake Libby in this side? You know, I just don't get it. It's the hmm. wrong county. How many in there are from first division counties? Uh, all of them apart the majority, from Ollie, I would say. Ollie Robinson, Ben Duckett, and Sam Connors, by the looks of it. Oh, and Liam Patson White as well from from Knotts. I keep thinking Knotts are a first division county, but of course they're not. While well, they probably will be again next year. Um, Tom Abel's still injured, um, but there was a good piece that the club put out this week about how he's staying around Taunton and he's he's helping out and you know doing whatever the coaches want him to, which is uh, which is fantastic news. What would you have Tom Abel doing then if you had him at your disposal as a coach? I mean, I think I'd just have him talking. When I say motivational, I think I'd have him talking mindsets of the younger players because if you got, you know, is there I'm anyone who's mindset more to the older players, Steve? Well, no, I'm talking about like you know when you one of the joys of watching Somerset live is just watching Tom Abel for a few overs and the, you know. Just getting that, this is the level of commitment you need to play cricket for Somerset, play cricket first-class level, and, and inspiring those players, really. I'm sure Ben Green is glad to have him around at the moment, because I'm sure Ben Green will, I'm not saying needs a shoulder to cry on, because he's, you know, he's his own man, but it can't hurt to have the club captain there, you know, to perhaps sit down with I would imagine Paul Twedle's quite glad he's around as well at the moment. Mm. I'd have him giving a bit of coaching to some of the batters. <laughs> because Laughlin Stevens, nice bloke though he is, doesn't seem to have worked the oracle so far. Well, no, I mean, who, who's who's improved since he got here in March, April time? Tom Banton. Yep, Goldsworthy, Banton. Banton. Bartlett's gone a bit backwards. Lamanby. I don't think Bartlett's gone backwards. I just think Bartlett's in this funk almost that he just can't, you know, you hope the runs he got against Yorkshire were going to be right. You know, confidence comes flooding back. And every, it's really weird. Every time George Bartlett bats, I get more nervous each time now because I so want him to succeed. I saw him make that 100 at 
Old Trafford a few years ago when the game Abel got 99 and Trez injured his foot on the first, second day, whatever it was. And he just looked the most glorious batsman to watch, you know, beautiful, totally in control. And it's, you know, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It's where I'd be a rubbish coach because I would just be picking him and picking him and picking him and hoping it works out. But, you know, he's the sort of person Tom Abel should be supporting as well, really, you know, working with him. Yeah. Happy days then. Right, so yeah, best of luck to uh, James Rue and Craig Overton as they take on South Africa for the Lions starting tomorrow. I'm sure that will be uh, be live streamed somewhere or t'other. Um, do we have anything more on the uh, on the news this week? Well, there's nothing I've missed, is there? I don't think so. I think I've just... They said that um, Jamie Thorpe didn't give... Uh, I don't think so estimated time of return for Tom Abel but he said that this sort of injury normally takes about six, six weeks. weeks yeah so he's which would mean that Tom wouldn't be available for the Gloucestershire game in the uh, at the beginning of September but might be fit for Warwickshire would that be six uh, weeks from when he did it or six weeks from when he gave that interview uh, I, t I took it to be six weeks from when he did it you know that's the optimistic view i mean it's quite quite possible he might miss the uh, the first two games in september well he came back and we really, would, we really would miss him as well he came back ahead of schedule last year didn't he so i mean we all know tom abel's superhuman and you know he's got the, the healing powers of wolverine for all you comic book fans you mcu fans so yeah i'm i'm fully expecting a a sudden press release that tom abel is fit and raring to go for uh for that first championship game in december that's right. absolutely what have our listeners been uh, firing our way this week? Um, well, that was from yesterday from Andy Cleavers. Max Waller been selected as a specialist fielder. Yes, Andy, it was very strange that he uh, he came on so late. Um, John Hayes, then, are we right to, right to be worried? Given the championship position and the start to the Royal London Cup, that we will be in the doldrums until the young players mature and take precedence. Davis and Hildreth are on their farewell tour. Who gave Brooks a new contract? And others like Delanger are seconds. Well, I can understand Jack Brooks being given a new contract. I think he's a very useful squad player. I'd rather have him than than not have him. And you know, when when you sort of Brooks's age, you're not going to play every game. But when you do, you you can make an impact. And he certainly made an impact in the uh, in the win against Warwickshire. Um, but as for yeah, I can't disagree with the fact that Davis and Hildreth, although Davis does have another year left on his contract, that. He seemed to be on a bit of a, a farewell tour. Um, but, yeah, are we going to be in the doldrums until the young players mature and take precedence? Well, I mean, if you look at the championship side, Davis and Hildreth are out of that already. Marchant de Langer's not in that of the three three players that, uh, that John's named there. Jack Brooks isn't first choice as well, although he's normally named in most of the squads. And looking at that side, which is probably more or less the team that went down to Essex for the last championship game, I think they have a very good account of themselves. I don't think there was any sign that that team would necessarily be in the doldrums if they were playing game in, game out for the 2023 season. Or am I yeah, you've got, to, you've got to look at it the other way and see any game time that they're getting. Of course, it's better if you win and it breeds confidence. But, you know, sport isn't 
something that you're going to win every game you play. And part of the development process is to have runs like this and come through it. So to me, you know, even James Rue getting runs, Lewis Goldsworthy getting runs, they're playing in losing sides. That's that's going to be part of the development process. And my, my view is, and, and people listen last week and say you've changed the tune. Yeah, I probably have, but it's about giving them experience. And that's where the difficult thing is, do we keep Davison Hildreth in the side if we lose on Wednesday? Or do we just say, right, Josh Thomas, Andrew Mead, whoever, you're going to play now and get half a dozen games over the rest of the competition is to play and get experience. I mean, the it's inter a, interesting one is if we win on Wednesday, keep ourselves hanging by a thread but still in the competition and Davis and Hildreth fail, what do you do with the side then? That's the interesting mm. one because if... yes. If we if we lose, it's oh well, bye bye Raw London One Day Cup. Right, let's stick the kids in and get some experience. I mean, yeah, Essex and Yorkshire, the last two games where we've not had Davis, not had Hildreth, they are probably two performances that give you most cause for optimism because yeah, yeah, we batted really well. We didn't you know fold in the in the shadow of that mammoth first innings total from Essex. We were really competitive all the way through the Yorkshire game, and you know we, given a bit of fair weather on the last day, we, we'd have given it a good go, I think, and probably come close to winning that game. So, yeah, so. Anthony said yesterday, you know, Casey Aldridge is improving with every game yep. he plays. You could say the same for James Rowe. You've just got to hope that Sonny Baker. Maybe George Bartlett, and maybe there's one other. Maybe that is Josh Thomas by the end of this competition. And Lewis Goldsworthy still, because he's still a young player. I think the problem we've got is we've got a couple of guys right at, or three guys right at one end of the career and a lot of guys right at the other end. And there's not a lot in the middle. You know, not the sort of Renshaw, Abel age group aren't really that. Well, Ben Green's probably the only one, isn't he, that's representing that side at the moment. Well, I getting on a bit, isn't he? Well, true. Bartlett Bartlett is 24 years, 147 yeah. days. I, think, I, I, I wouldn't be worried, but um, it d depends on who we've got available to play in those four games. You know, if Tom Abel's not there, that's a big miss. If Craig Overton's not there, he's a big miss as well. Um, I, as far as I'm aware, I'm not sure if Peter Siddle is going to be available. Renshaw certainly isn't. You know, um, and the bowling is going to. If look Josh Davies injured, you're starting to rely on Gregory Brooks, Delanger, maybe. Got Imamul Hat coming in, who's a bit of an unknown quantity as well. Has he got to? He's got to mm. hit the ground running. Yeah, but but I think you know, given, I mean, what what Lewis Goldsworthy said yesterday was interesting. He said what what we need is a bit of luck, and the luck has not been running Somerset's way uh, recently. Um, we, and it but does play a big part in cricket, as it does in 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 all sports. And um, if we get a little bit of luck, and if we've got reasonable player availability, I think we can we can win at least two of those four running county championship matches and make ourselves safe in the first division against the possibility that we still have um, relegation and, and and promotion. So I, I'm not. I'm not worried. I thought the performance against Essex was encouraging. Certainly Yorkshire and Lancashire as well. You know where where James Rue and and Lewis Goldsworthy in the first innings, and then Lewis Goldsworthy really battled hard in the uh, in the second innings. Oh, really did too. I think he faced about 120 balls, didn't he? For his well, I've only got 20 odd, but yeah, he definitely got the part. So. Yeah, and so I'm you know I'm 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 
reasonably confident that we're not going to have a repeat of, of September 2021. I think we'll give a much better account of ourselves against sides that we're perfectly capable of beating and, and which we need to beat to make ourselves safe in uh, in Division 1 against all eventualities. But um, we will have to see. The trouble is they are so maddening, maddening, maddeningly inconsistent, Somerset, aren't they? You know, we we saw it in the in the in the blast, and we've seen it in the early stages of the championship, two innings victories, and what was it, five defeats or something yeah, like that. Was, yeah. mm. um, so, but I, I think you know there has been genuine progress during the course of the season. I think that should stand us. Yeah, I agree. I agree more. I think your fears about the doldrums. A little bit unfounded there, John. Uh, Alex Vaughan then. Uh, it's frustrating how fans are on players' backs so easily. Cricket is a tough game. It's not just the ability, it's also mental too. Yes, the results are frustrating, but we know these players can perform. Do you think the players have the drive and determination to turn things around? Yes. Yes, because they're professional sportsmen and you don't get to that level. You know, anyone anyone who's played sport to any level and has got close, say, to playing, you know, semi-pro or pro football, this level of cricket, you know that one of the things that sets the people who are playing, mm -hmm. the ben, you know, you look back to the, that Dev, the Devon youngsters when Don Bess and Ben Green and Co. and Tom Lamaby were coming through. You look at that and there'll be other players with pretty similar talent and that's not being disrespectful to the lads I've just mentioned, but those guys have got that little bit extra. I experienced that when I was playing at the level I played at of both sports. You just you just get it, you know. And so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They wouldn't be around if they didn't have that. And it can be frustrating when you have Martin Delang, I say, some days who seems a bit diffident, but he's a fiery competitor still. So I think that's the thing that's got me most is. You know, it, the word support, and I've said this, written it and said it many times, look up the definition of supporter. And if you're somebody who just wants to jump on and have a go at the players at the first opportunity, that doesn't fit my dictionary definition of the word, I'm afraid. Couldn't agree more, Steve. Could not agree more. Anything to add to that? I think you cover that pretty comprehensively, Steve. Well said. You obviously need to just remember as well that in the 50-over cup, we are missing nine players. So this isn't necessarily a true reflection of our 50-over ability. Um, things would be very different, I think, if we had a full-strength side. Obviously, other teams would be a full-strength too, but some teams are more hit than others. Gloucestershire aren't as hit, as, aren't as hit by the 100 as us. So, you know, we would have been... It was, a pretty, it was a pretty weak Gloucestershire side, though, yesterday. And, and what's really disappointing about the One Day Cup is that, on paper, we've got a strong side. You know, the, 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 the batting in particular, you know, just... Isn't coming up to isn't coming up to scratch. Andy Cleave <coughs> has heard a good rumour. Delanger to Gloucestershire is the latest rumour mm. doing the rounds. A Gloucester fan I spoke to yesterday said it came from a reliable source. Seems quite plausible in my opinion, but am I correct? He has one more year left on his contract. You are incorrect, Andy. Marchant Delanger is in the last year of his contract, so if he does not re-sign, he is a free agent and could quite conceivably make a little trip up the M5. Yeah, I had this room today as well. Um, it, I mean, it, it, you it, and Andy weren't speaking to the same Gloucester fan at the same time, were you? 
Yeah, well, no, Andy was behind well, me. They're so. just a Gloucester fan wandering around the stadium speaking to all the Somerset fans individually. <laughs> no, uh, have you heard? Have you heard? The Lang is coming here. Have you heard? <laughs> um, it would, it's an interesting one. I mean, because Gloucester seems that if they do send the Lang, they'll be continuing a bit of a habit of picking up our overseas pace bowler rejects because it's easy to forget, but Gloucestershire signed Jerome Taylor early in 2020 on a three-year um, Colpac deal. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that never happened because of COVID. And that took me by surprise. After the season he had with us in 2019, it was an all-format deal as well. Um, so it'd be a, it reminds me of that a little bit, sort of picking up our unwanted overseas scene bowler. Paul Van um, as well. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Van Meeker's got a bit more potential, I hope. Um, and he bowled right yesterday, I think. Um but yeah, I mean, as for the thing with Delango is he's available all season round. Um, then they, they seem to not mind having three, you know, this year they've had three overseas players with them rotating a little bit. So if Delango's happy to just sort of, sort of similarly to this year with Somerset, play in the seconds and sort of hang around for long periods, then I guess it works for him. He gets a bit of stability. Um, and if Gloucester won him, then fair enough. Yeah. He's, he's bowled all right, to be fair, at the time, doesn't he, this year? He, uh, was it against uh, Yorkshire? Did he play against Yorkshire? Yeah, he bowled well against... Well, yeah, he's, the second half of his, his spell was pretty decent. He got he got a bit of yeah. gap the first three or four overs. But, yeah, that was the best he's bowled for us probably in the two years that he's been here, certainly in, in first-class cricket. Um, but, yeah, with, with Siddle and Renshaw, he's hardly really got a look in, has he? You don't know how much... Um, Marchant playing the first sort of three or four games in the bash was to give Siddle a rest or because they genuinely felt he was the better option. You don't quite know which way round that was. Probably a bit of 50-50, I'd say. Siddle was in Barcelona for the Grand Prix around that time, so I think Siddle was resting. I think, well, resting slash adventuring. Was he in in Barcelona because he wasn't playing or was he not playing because... No, that's what you mean, yeah, yeah. I think it was a rest period built in and he was free to do what he liked for a week or two. That was my interpretation. Because Renshaw did some touring while the last was on as well. So obviously, he probably said, I want a bit of that. You know, I'm over for the for a length of season. You know, if you went to Australia, you'd probably want a couple of weeks to tour around, wouldn't you? So why not? Yeah, good luck to him. Uh, moving on then. Um... Mike Unwin, do you believe the membership has any real sway over the board despite the original membership marketing slogan, in quotes, membership gets us closer? Um, I'm not sure of the exact constitution, but I presume if we put a resolution to the... We summoned an EGM via the threshold of members' votes and we passed a resolution at such EGM, whether it be me and Dan to open the baton in the blast for the next five years or... Whatever it is, I presume that as long as whatever the members want gets put through the proper channels and it garners enough support, I I assume that's how it works. It's a shame that uh, well, President Pete's not here today. To I think me. there's two levels, Shep, aren't there, isn't there? There's the, at what level does Gordon Hollins and co listen on a day-to-day basis to the membership? And, and by that, I'm, I'm going to upset a few people, but... The sensible, not the knee-jerk reaction, <laughs> le- extreme ends of the spectrum I know, reaction. We all know sensible you mean. Rea- sensible reaction. But then there's the level which I think Mike is probably referring to, which is getting something changed. So, you know, 
the obvious would be a change of coach or a change of captain or you know saying we're going to play half the season at Bath or something outlandish like that. Right in the back I think, end, like that, I think yeah. no I didn't I deliberately didn't say that was outlandish yet um, so I suspect it's you would hope that for all they say that they are listening although hmm. sometimes it is quite hard to to see it but then it's like it's like with anything we're talking here about Josh Davy, aren't we? We just hear that Josh Davy's been sprinting on the outfield. We don't get to see the fitness mm-hmm. reports. We don't know what's being discussed. We're always looking through a very narrow slit in the wall here. So it's really harsh to say Gordon Hollins doesn't listen to what we say because unless he comes out and says, "Oh, I heard the podcast last night, and Dan made a really good point, so we're going to do this." <laughs> You can't really justify that, but no. Dan I, writes him emails, Steve. <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah, it's so, go on, Dan. Thing sorry. Is, thing is, if the county's decided what about what to do next year, if the county's decided that based on what the members wanted, the changes obviously wouldn't go through, and it would have been the same thing with the hundred as well. While the members supposedly have a say, I mean, is it that the members aren't doing enough to show what they think? so the club can simply ignore them, or is it that they are just ignoring them? Because obviously, when 100 was voted for, when a city-based franchise tournament was voted for, no, all of, if all the members of every county had a vote, all of the counties would have said no to a city franchise tournament, and yet it still went through. So is it just that the members were ignoring them, or did the members not organise well enough to object to that? And are the members, do the members need to be doing, you know, do they need to be organising better this year to make sure that we have a proper say and that our views are properly taken into account for the uh, schedule for next year? Well, somebody made a really good point in response to what's going on with the Lancashire Action Group and their petition to oppose the reduction in, in first class cricket or, or whatever it might be next year. Is it said, well, how can you engage with the club to tell them to vote against a specific proposal when that specific proposal hasn't hasn't been released yet so you're almost saying well kind of vote vote against this but we're not sure what you're voting against do you know what i mean so we need to see those mm. concrete proposals in black and white and i suppose it goes down to what granularity of decision making do you do you put out to the members i mean something as fundamental as you know the championship program will be reduced from 14 games to 10 games i think that's you know it's a fairly black and white proposal and you can put that out but you know you don't go consulting the membership on whether you charge £5 or £5.50 for a, a pint of cider at the ground. Do you know what I mean? So it's... But the membership aren't sovereign, are they? The board, ultimately, mm. is, it will, will make the decisions. And well, they will... The membership they can appoint the board, don't they? To the yeah, yeah, that's the power that the membership have. You know, they could deselect the board. But having selected the board, they're delegating responsibility for making decisions on behalf of the club to the board. And the board, if they've got any sense, will be listening to the views of, of the membership. But ultimately, the board with the chief executive will have to make the final decision. And as, as you just said, it's very difficult to make a decision now when we don't know what's the, what the proposals are, uh, are going to be and what strings are attached. Possibly financial strings are attached to the uh, to the proposals, some financial sweeteners uh, might be coming down to Torton's way if we agree to this proposal. But I think the the most encouraging thing that's happened in the last couple of weeks is that Richard Thompson has been appointed as as yeah. chair of the, yeah, of the ECB. Sorry, yeah, because, by all accounts, 
He is, absolutely. He's, he's, I, I, I don't know him personally, but Mark Church, who, who I know very well, does know him very well and says he's, you know, he's 100% gold. Um, I don't think Richard Gould's going to be joining him as uh, chief executive just yet, but maybe a couple of years down the line after he's done a bit longer at, uh, at Bristol City, who aren't doing very well so, so far this season. But... Um, no, I think you know we, we we just have to have to wait and see. But it may be that with uh, Thompson's influence, um, the reduction in county championship matches may be less than a lot of people are fearing at the moment. That's what I hope, anyway. Well, just don't let Kevin Peterson anywhere near that uh, decision-making process. That's all I can say no. to that. It's it's a stranger though because I don't think the schedule is necessarily overcrowded. It's just not put together very well the fact that we don't we're not seeing as much weekend cricket as we'd like i've seen various um stats put on on twitter which i think you might have been responsible for some down about the actual amount of days <coughs> excuse me the amount of days spent playing professional cricket per county i think uh, david griffin is it of, of derbyshire did yeah. one as well yeah. where it's yeah. it, it's just reducing year on year on year it's just the fact that we've got the hundred in which is taking the prime summer spots you know it's 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 got this august time slot that sacrosanct we can't change that we'll we'll hold on a minute that means that you are pushing all of the other cricket to the extreme extremities of the season which then means you are cramping in these games so things like we've got no weekend cricket in september we've got very little weekend cricket uh, throughout the season that's but that's not the that's not the ecb that's the club chief executives because they they can't sell sponsorship packages at weekends. They want to max, maximise revenue and and to sell sponsorship, it's got to be you know in working hours. And so there's no good blaming the ECB for that. They'll have they'll have taken soundings amongst the, the chief executives of the counties. And I think, I mean, and we're not going to move the hundred, however much people might want to. We've got to work around it. I think the big danger is that next season they'll they'll run the uh, some county championship games alongside it, mm. and and say, well, there you are. We've, we've listened to what you've been saying about more county championship yeah. at the at the peak of the summer, and you can play these games, you know, when when the hundred is is going on, which I think would be worse. Well, of course, than worse. The, the fifty over competition, but I suspect that they'll come out with fifty over competition rejigged uh, in the early part. Of of the season and county championship alongside the hundred during uh, during August. Oh, that'd be awful. That'd be utterly awful. Well, well, what you could do is have a what you, the first class cricket played alongside the hundred can be the Bob Willis Trophy or you know a, a separate competition to the county championship. Because yeah, I agree, you cannot play the county championship during the hundred. No way, because it would devalue the competition too much. But I wouldn't be completely against if the county championship goes down to ten games, continue. You know, you can make up make up the numbers by playing four first class matches during the hundred period, and they could all be on weekends. They could, you know, they could all be Thursday to Sunday um, for a few weeks in a row, and they could be some sort of final which is played at the same time as the hundred final. Um, so, and then you can have the one day cup, yeah, in April and May. The good thing about that is you can have a you can sort of target the bank holiday weekends for the one day cup. Um, they're, they're, you know, bank holiday weekends are perfect for one day cricket. You can have a game on the Saturday and the Monday. You can also have, you know, the Easter weekends perfect as well. Because at the moment we've got this situation where Somerset are only playing two one day cup games on weekends this year out of eight, and only one of those is at home. 
But if you use the bank holidays properly, you can um, increase that number by quite a bit. So um, that wouldn't be, I wouldn't be completely against that, to be honest. Um, and then, yeah, you can keep the blast in sort of June or July and work work the championship games you know, in and around that. Yeah. It'd be so much easier if we just ditched 100. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. I'm a realist. I know it's not going to happen. But we can hope. Uh, one from Mike Kurzweil. Do you, th do you think the club ever regrets staying in its current location instead of moving to a new ground like Hampshire? I presume he means a new no. ground like Hampshire did rather than a new ground in Hampshire, which would be a bit of a commute. But... Um, no, I mean, was that ever seriously, no. seriously mooted? To oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were going out to Creech Heathfield or somewhere like that. Creech yeah. and Michael. Um, but uh, that was under uh, Peter Anderson's uh, time. But no, I, I, I think if, if everybody I meet, whether they're from Somerset or from uh, away, says that having the ground in the middle of the town is one of the best things about it, and it gives a not quite unique atmosphere because Chelmsford is also in the middle of, of, of um, the ground is in the middle of Chelmsford but it's uh, it's it's a very important part of the whole attraction of cricket in Taunton or Somerset cricket in Taunton so I'd be very very surprised if they reconsider that. Yeah I agree especially given the you know, fact that they're investing in all this well they've just built the Tres Pavilion they're upgrading the Botham stand I, I think it's yeah you're right it's just that ground is just boom smack bang in the middle of Taunton Somerset County Cricket Club is part of Taunton and Taunton is part of Somerset County Cricket Club and I don't think you can uh, uh, you can untwine the two from each other and yes do not want to move to yeah, a yeah. soulless out of town bowl uh, <laughs> like the bowl with no soul down mm. in uh, down in deepest Hampshire uh, Steve Jewell does a club care more about the membership or are we just irrelevant they care more about t20 crowd and sponsors nice one to finish on <laughs> uh, i don't refer the honorable gentleman to my earlier answer yeah i don't think you can ignore the re the significant revenue that comes from t20 and its sponsors uh, particularly the ones that like giving away free ipads and headphones and all sorts of other associated goodies um but yeah but i think if the if the membership if the membership speak and they speak in significant enough numbers at a significant volume i think the the club is uh is on a bound to listen lest they be voted out mr wanless you're on notice <laughs> <laughs> only joking Pete, only joking uh oh we've had we've had one come in while the podcast is on as well last one then from mark saunders why does james rue seemingly not got a bat sponsorship deal is he holding out for a big one well i'm sure if uh who the uh, billy champion hall world-class willow i'm sure you can be in contact with james and give him a uh give I him suspect a bat they sponsorship already deal. are exactly or indeed uh mr s tancock accounting services i'm sure you could go for a little uh a little sticker on the back should you wish <laughs> marketing budget doesn't quite run to that unfortunately <laughs> oh never mind i'm sure you can creatively find a way to uh to put it through the books given your line of work uh we've exhausted our supply of questions uh we've nearly exhausted our 45 minutes which has now run over to an hour and 10 more or less uh do we have any other business before we retire and contemplate what may happen on wednesday Nothing no. from me, thank you. 
Look forward to seeing you then on Wednesday. Uh, I might not be able to make it up uh, make it up on Wednesday, but I'll definitely be up with the with the family on uh, on Sunday. Looking forward to the the family fun day and uh, the Jurassic Fiber milking cow, whatever that is. <laughs> it was listed on the uh, on the list of attractions on the website. So. Yes, Dan, if you're there on Sunday, do you want to have a go on the Jurassic Park milking cow together? Jurassic Fibre milking cow tomorrow on Sunday? Oh, absolutely. We'll take another each. Right, guys, uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch up with you next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.